welcome to Code 3 Families with your hosts, fire spouse and licensed psychologist, Dr. Rochelle Zemlock, and police spouse and licensed psychologist, Dr. Alma Garcia. I thought we would start out today with sharing an email from one of our listeners that I thought was pretty cool and see what you think about it. So this is from Tiffany and I do have baby with me today. So if we hear any sounds, this is going on. Um, So this is an email sent to us from Tiffany, which is awesome. She's a fellow fire wife and enjoys our podcast and appreciates our honesty and transparency, which is awesome. Thanks, Tiffany. Okay, so here's what she says. You and Almas uh, talked about in an episode that you'd be interested to know about families who came into first responder careers midlife. We were one. (laughs) My husband was in physical therapy and decided to Mm. switch careers at 33. When we married, I asked him to promise no fire, law enforcement, or military. Ooh. This is a woman who knows, <laughs> knows, she knows what's what coming. she's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> knows what's coming. I'm the granddaughter, daughter, and sister of firefighters, and uh-huh. I didn't want a first responder marriage family. When he came to me with the desire, he saw an exciting career, and I saw all the things you and Alma discussed in that episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in so many ways, I had a very clear picture of how our life would change because of my experiences with my family of origin. He listened well to my concerns, but had to learn along the way about all the new nuances of first responder family life. It's been interesting for our children as well. Our daughter was nine when he graduated from academy and our son was three and a half. Mm-hmm. Having dad gone for holidays, strike teens and unexpectedly mandatory have all been things they've had to adjust to. I grew up knowing the difference. Our daughter was used to having dad home on weekends and weeknights. It's mm-hmm. been a journey to adjust. I share all this because I thought it may be helpful. It's so interesting how first responder families share so much in common, yet we all have um, such unique experiences. Thank you again for your work and for sharing your life so openly with your listeners. It's both validating and comforting to hear so many things I feel deep in my heart articulated by you and Alma. So nice. That was nice. I I like hearing that kind of stuff because it's so true that we all come from such different paths and we're talking about our own our own paths but just to hear like, so different yeah oh that is right like the fact that you could see into it remember we always talk yeah. about if you could see into it you would you do it yeah <laughs> I don't know but just, Tiffany got tricked a little bit <laughs> Tiffany got this like nice you know physical therapy schedule and then all of a sudden damn oh. you have that's rough the love comes in right you're like I love this person (sighs) got a family uh they are passionate so we're gonna do it and and then on on the flip side I'm thinking how nice for him to have a wife who who knows what's coming because it's it's not like it's taken her Mm -hmm. by storm that's a good point because if you had someone else who had no clue they'd be like yeah great and then you're like what you didn't tell me that this is in there 
<laughs> well, like we talked about in that one episode, the sexy comes out and he's like, yeah, yeah let's make that happen. Yeah. Tiffany, I, I think Tiffany saw way past that. <laughs> yeah. But it, and it feels different later on if you had the opportunity to make that choice, right? We know that if you feel like yeah. you've had choice, you can approach it differently than if you feel like you didn't have choice, right? That that's true. Uh, but that is tough. And I think about the kids being nine and experiencing your family Mm -hmm. in one way. And then totally that shifting. It's like, you know, the, the nine-year-old didn't have that choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that they have to adapt to. And it it is different when you're just kind of grow up in it. You don't know any difference, you know, it's like, well, of course, um, dad always leaves for two days or whatever. Like the first time D left, um, on shift, you know, we have our newborn and he like has this little talk <laughs> with her and it's like, I'm going to be gone for a couple days. You'll get used to it. It's, it's just how it goes. I always come back. Like, I'm, co- you know, and, I, <laughs> and I remember, I remember that talk with our son as well, where it's like, you're going to get used to it, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. I'll be back and then we'll say, and it's like, you're right. They do get used to it. They just kind of, okay, he's gone for a couple of days and he's home. He's gone mm-hmm. from birth. So what's different? Yeah. But as a nine-year-old, you know, the difference, right? As a three-year-old, you start to, I guess they start to notice, but a nine-year-old, it's like, this was life for a while. And now you yeah. took that away. I know there had to have been adjustment period and behavior yeah, around that, sure. right? Because that's such a huge transition. And yeah, I'm curious about how they all feel about it now. You know, like mm-hmm. how long it's every- been. Yeah, just like does everyone feel like I don't know? Does he want the physical therapy life <laughs> back, or <laughs> is he like this is great decision, or is she like I want that back? I don't know. It's just so interesting and such a challenge. I'm glad to hear from her. Do you ever feel like the first responder wants a different life? Like I feel like that's a rare thing. Oh, but you okay. Can- I, I just wonder you know about what? That. that is a topic for a different day. Cause I will say that unexpectedly with our last year and how it's yeah. been going, I have had a handful of first responders reaching out to me specifically to talk about them no longer being happy with and wanting to change. And I think, you know, that speaks to how things have changed in especially mm-hmm. law enforcement. Oh, for sure. Law enforcement has gone through it. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, from that, yeah. And I have had firefighters as well, but I think that there is that. And I do think, I think that if it was like your, I don't know, there's majority, it's your passion, your, this is what I'm meant for. I want to serve. And then I think there's this small portion that's like, who, this is having a big impact and rough and like, and it's taken away from my health and all these and my family and my marriage, you know, and then if you don't have that deep passion, it's like, maybe there's something else. I think finding this something else is really hard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think we should do an- another episode about that. Yeah. That, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Well, thank so, you, Tiffany. Yes. I, I like hearing from people and hearing what their, their thoughts are on, yeah. on how we're handling more people the, reach out. We love hearing yeah. from you. Just like to know know what people are thinking. Okay. So you ready to get into topic? Yeah. This is okay. a fun one. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I don't know, fun or not. But we are continuing on our Feb- February relationship 
theme here for <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But this is uh, trust. We we talked about it a couple episodes ago. You said let's talk about trust, and then that trust took us down like this other road, which was awesome. And I will say that. I didn't say this. Tiffany also mentioned in a separate email because we were talking back and forth that her and her husband watched, or not watched, listened to an, that episode, that next one together. And we're like mm. pausing and like discussing how these things come up in their marriage. And I thought that was so cool. And I yeah. hope that other people are doing that as well, using this as like a jump off to have conversations mm-hmm. and go, oh my gosh, that totally happens with us. And how do we handle that? Because everyone's going to have a different conversation around it. But I love that they like listened to it together and took that time. Like what connection is that? I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that was on that episode that we kind of talked, said trust. And then we just talked about a lot of different relationship stuff. So mm-hmm. in this one, we really want to focus on like trust when it comes to, you know, infidelity, just really trusting in one another and Mm -hmm. um, having trust in your partner. Because unfortunately, you hear a lot about infidelity in this culture in general. And Mm -hmm. so I think that it comes up for couples. And so I just wanted to reflect on how hard it is sometimes to build trust in this life and what gets in the way of that for sure because I think it's hard to build that and keep it and maybe if you had it before it could go down or if there was some sort of event that happened it's hard to rebuild it after that Mm -hmm. because of all you know the schedule and the the way that things work in this culture so um, I just want to reflect on that a little bit. I'm just thinking I, I said it was a fun topic but I think this is probably one of the most challenging topics to talk about because you know it's an it's an intimate topic and the way that you trust a first responder is totally different than the trust you have in in a quote unquote normal relationship right and and we talked about it in our last the last episode where we kind of uh, skimmed over trust but it has a lot to do with the lifestyle i think the culture the schedule the all of these these factors that we talked about in in that last episode i think contribute to the the trust yeah um so maybe we can dive into those those areas a little yeah. bit more well the first one that i think about that is so just obvious is that they have such inconsistent hours okay yes and mandatory overtimes, random shift schedule changes that you, you're not even aware of. And that's different than a nine to five. You know what time your spouse works and which days. And then if it's they're not home outside of that, <laughs> you're wondering, mm-hmm. where are you? <laughs> because you know their schedule. Well, we don't really know our spouse's schedule. Like, they, we know what they tell us, but it's not like we have access to when they're supposed to be at work and when they're not. And so I mm-hmm. think that if your relationship is already struggling with trust, a couple of things come up around that. One, if you're questioning, um, if you're actually questioning whether or not they are being unfaithful to you, that is going to be a really hard one. It's like, when do they work? When do they not? Because then it's a constant flow of mandatory overtimes. I go to work here. I come home. I'm covering a shift here. Like who knows, mm-hmm. right? As you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, so it's just the, the inconsistent schedules, but it's also that like you have no control over yeah. any of the, the scheduling pieces. 
And let's be honest, most of our first responders aren't the most communicative. So, you know, they'll let you know last minute, oh yeah, and I have to do this, right? Or whatever it is. And that breeds some mistrust. Yeah. And, and it could be hard on the other way, right? Like if you're the first responder, potentially trying to build trust back Mm -hmm. and doing your best at it, but you're getting forced back or called in or this and that. And then it's creating these feelings in your spouse. Like, well, is that real? Are you really, you know, and, and you're trying your best, but your job is kind of getting in the way of you building trust. That could be a big challenge Mm -hmm. to like, you know, you just, again, from this person who is having a hard time trusting you has to just blindly trust that that's your schedule and you are being called in. And even when there is no, no, like, um, mistrust that started mm-hmm. there, I, th- I think that just being able to initiate that trust in the person when the schedule, when the life is so different and when they're so turned on at work yeah. with their coworkers, with their, you know, yeah. people, and then they come home and yeah. they're a whole different person, right? So that also creates a shift in how you perceive maybe your, your spouse. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, you're having a great time at work or you need to go and uh, debrief with your coworkers. Yeah. And, and then you come home and you're not talking to me. Yeah. Or yep. you are, maybe you had a couple too many at that debrief, right? Or whatever the case may be. And now you're coming home and I don't get any of that with you. Yeah. Which just creates, yeah, that emotional distance, which is not helpful in building trust. Right. right? And Alma, just think about your schedule right now. Like you don't have trust issues with your husband and, but you have to blindly trust that like something happens with his phone and then he's got to go in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're getting ready for bed and you know, he's on call and it's like, Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. And you're like, uh, you know, and you just have (laughs) blindly dressed like, bye, like see you in a couple hours. And Uh I have to blindly trust that (laughs) on the calendar it says I'm on call out and that it's true. Totally. (laughs) And that's even different. It's not consistent because he can like pick it up and take it off, you know? Yeah. But can you imagine if you had some sort of trust issues, how hard that would be? (laughs) No, like even when it's, you know, when it's in the middle of the night, like you just said, and a phone call is coming in, it's like, my first thought is great. Here we go. Right. Like here here comes a roller coaster. But if there were trust issues there, it would be, Oh, what's going on? Like all the questioning would start to happen. Show me the text. Yeah. (laughs) Let me see who's asking you to, I mean, who would be sleeping? Nobody would be sleeping because he would be probably not happy (laughs) and (laughs) I would be not happy. So no one would be getting any sleep. I know it's so, but your husband sleeps in a whole different room, a whole different city, a whole different everything from you. Totally. Uh, He could be just gone for a day and I don't track his paychecks. Like I, I'm trusting that he's at work, right? Overtime day. Hey, I'm going to pick up overtime on this day. Okay. And it's seven days a week. It's not just a Monday through Mm -hmm. Friday. 
it's like whenever on special occasions (laughs) totally holidays (laughs) valentine's day valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) totally no that is we're we're laughing about this but i'm thinking like because it seems like uh, it's just a part of our life right but like you said if there had been an incident that happened with our our spouses, this would be such a hard conversation because what do you mean you have to work on this day? Are you sure? Like, why do you need more overtime? Where's that money going? How much time are you spending? Right. All these questions, which make it really easy for us as a, as a spouse to just like not feel good about anything that they're doing. Right. And just a no, no. And then if they're like, well, I have to, then how are the two of you ever going to come to some sort of agreement? And feel good with one another. And yeah, I don't, that would be so hard because it's not something they can control even if they wanted to, like I said, if they were trying their best, like it's not a huge portion of it that they have control over. There is some of it, right. They can take less overtime. They can prove things to you in those ways, like, you know, prioritizing, right. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that they don't necessarily have control over. Okay. But can we, let let me just, I'm going to talk about this because I think there's a difference. The part that for me comes up so much is the difference between trusting someone, just a general trust and trusting their boundaries. And yeah, I have to, I have to say that when I got into my relationship with Jay, one of the hardest things for me was being a therapist and him being in law enforcement, Mm -hmm. because as a therapist, as you know, our boundaries are very, very strict, right. In terms of how we're taught, how we practice, you have very strict boundaries with your clients. You have very strict boundaries with your coworkers. You have very strict boundaries with people around you. And I think it starts to become a boundaried um, yep. relationship with everyone. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I even think about the kind of boundaries I have to hold with my family about mm-hmm. the clients that I see, because yeah. I work within the community that my family lives in. Yeah. And so, you know, that sort of thing, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries are drilled into you. Yeah. I don't think that that's a thing in, no. in, at least in law enforcement, I'll, I'll speak for them um, or for, for that part of it. Um, I don't know if law enforcement sees boundaries the way that we do, because, you know, they get emails about suspect this um, needs to get. And, and it's like, you know, to me, it's like, whoa, that's like personal information that's being put out on email. No, that's public. Right. Right. You can Google it. (laughs) It's such a difference. And for me, that was mind blowing. This idea that the boundaries look so different. And then we're talking about work. I'm, I then translate it to our relationship because, uh, there's no way that I would, you know, have certain kind of conversations with my coworkers, with my colleagues, the way that they have conversations with their colleagues of the opposite sex. Right. Or, and I'll, I'll speak more specifically with how Jay and I, you know, um, handled that because, I think it was really hard. Not, I think, I know it was really hard for me to mm-hmm. feel like, wait, so you talk about this with your female coworker? Wait, that's not something you talk about with a coworker. Mm-hmm. That's something like that. I would never tell my colleague this, right? Right. And that to me has, 
just to differentiate the two is like, okay, I can trust you when you have good boundaries, Mm -hmm. but your profession wasn't made for boundaries. No, no. And they're helpers like us. And if you don't put boundaries on helpers, things can bleed everywhere, right? Like you go extra, you do that extra mile. And I think that just blurs a lot of lines. Like, Mm -hmm you know, you'll do more, you'll pick up the phone in the middle of the night, you'll talk to people about it. You'll, it's just like you, you bleed out everywhere. If you haven't learned how to like rein in that helper and Mm -hmm. that also leads to burnout. Right. And that's why we do it, especially to protect ourselves, but they don't learn that. And so like, they just pour themselves out in all these different ways and also get burned Mm-hmm. In, in other ways. Right. So yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, That's such and, a good point. This whole yeah. idea of like being a helper and not having boundaries set for you yeah. because our profession sets them very, yeah. very strictly. Like you can lose your license for right. crossing a boundary. Right. Right. And have to think about everything. But if we didn't have that and we were just like, think of mm-hmm. us in grad school, we just want to help people. Like we right. just want to be there for them. We wouldn't say no, we would be okay with it, you know? So that's who they are without the boundaries. Totally. That's why they went into it. And just thinking about boundaries at work, um, not that they, maybe there are portions of it that they can have control over, but another piece of like trust is like, we've talked about this before, like the uniform, right. And how that is attractive when all the other things aren't taken into consideration. So (laughs) what the life looks like. (laughs) So how about on calls and interacting with the public and how people are viewing them and looking at them and talking to them and saying things to them. I'm sure there's plenty of things that I don't get to hear about. Absolutely. Um, about, I mean, sometimes like I hear, I get to hear about some of them because it's like, you know, a joke or, you know, D just like laughs about it or something, but it's like, I know that, you know, you're going into homes of people and mm-hmm. helping them and, you know, it's medical calls. So you're like touching <laughs> people in certain ways. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's lots of comments said mm-hmm. and, and, you know, firefighters or police officers enjoy that piece of it in ways too, right? Of course. So it's like, how does, that's another like, <laughs> just factor. to add Especially when they're not getting that at home, right? Like when they're coming home and we're just kind of like over the uniform, (laughs) we're over the schedule. To-do list. Yeah, that's right. It's like, okay, so take off the uniform and get back to real life, right? But it it is, it's like, it's attractive and (laughs) funny story. So, well, you know, we do, we deal with firefighters. We deal with um, police officers in our job, right? Like there are times where, we have contact with them because of whatever um, situation we, we come across. And um, you mean like 5150? Yeah, like 5150 calls yeah, okay. uh-huh. or emergency situations where right, like maybe totally. somebody needs medical assistance. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was in, in um, my, my residency, one of uh, my, my really good friends in residency was like so happy when we had to do. <laughs> you know, some kind of safety call because this particular police officer would always come to our office. Right. And, you know, they have areas, they work beats. Right. So 
<laughs> we happened to be on his beat. And she was like, oh, officer so-and-so is coming, right? I don't even want to say the name because <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to risk anything. Yeah. Um, and I remember being like, but that could be Jay someone, for somebody. Someone's right? husband. <laughs> yes. Like he wasn't my husband yet. He was, he was still, you know, really? I was still dating him. I'm sure it still happened. But I was like, no, like don't <laughs> do that because that could be my partner. That could be, you know, that could I know. And, and that thought just like, yeah, it's true. People are attracted to okay, the uniform. And, and even a level up for firefighters, because we've talked about how police officers don't get all of the glory and credit. And so, you know, firefighters get the waves and the smiles yes. and everyone loves them. And they're so at the grocery store, at the grocery store, <laughs> like, you know, and so they're just used to like walking around everyone giving them all this praise. Right. Of course, yes. standing ovations during fire season. <laughs> Wait, so hold on. What about, okay. So Jay works or when this used to be a thing, right? Yeah. Going to uh, sports, sporting events. Yeah. He, you know, he would work some of the sporting events. And to me, it was mind boggling because maybe I would just never do it, but people taking pictures oh my with God. them. <laughs> like they're like a Look celebrity. A real, life, of a real life police officer. Like you just took a picture <laughs> with someone that to me was crazy and I remember feeling like I don't want anybody to take a picture with you yeah but that's a thing especially right now when they're trying then when they want the public to you know see them in a better light because of all these ways they do connect with the public I'm sure that's like encouraged yeah and I mean let's also like (laughs) let's also admit that it's probably nice for somebody to come up to you and be like can I take a picture with you yeah. Yeah. Take a picture okay. with me. Let me give you this story. I don't know how Dee's going to feel about me sharing it. <laughs> don't listen to this one, Dee. <laughs> so recently, you know, outdoor seating opened back up again. And mm-hmm. we're like, oh, let's go do a, you know, a double date. So we have another fire couple that we met there and we're having a good time. I'm like, first time out and able to have a drink since the beginning of quarantine. So I'm like, so happy to be out. And we're sitting outside downtown and you know, the, the, I don't know if you know this, but fire trucks can do a run, you know, ride through downtown if they're bored you know, that maybe they're picking up food or something. It's nice to kind uh-huh. of, you know, do a little trail like, oh, what's going on everywhere? Let's see. I'm sure part of it is like, you know, they get people like, ooh, <laughs> look at the fire truck. Um, but anyway, so the nice tiller truck is going downtown, right? This isn't the town that they work in, but because they're from the same department, but we're all like looking at it and they're actually talking about like, the color of it, how it's set up, you know, whatever logistics uh-huh. of what they like about that truck. And they're sitting on the side of, on the railing, looking at it. And so me and the wife are like behind them looking at it. <laughs> and so I give the fire truck a big wave <laughs> behind them. Hi! <laughs> I didn't say hi. I did it silently. I waved uh-huh. and then the driver waves <laughs> back. And both of them look at me like, who, why are they waving at us? Who did that? And I just left there like, they were, oh my gosh, they're like 
the things that are being said in that rig right now, because they know that it's like, oh, look, somebody's wife or spouse is waving at the firefighter. Now, Will <laughs> does that track No, I'm already married to one, but that they're having this conversation. And I'm like, well, what does it feel like to be on the other side, buddy? <laughs> and they were oh, like, I can't, taste. Yeah, they're like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, you, maybe you need to be on the other end of it every now and then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Because you know that they have those conversations like, oh, there's another, you know, somebody waving at us, wishing they were with us instead of on uh-huh. that date. Yeah. No, not really, but. <laughs> Actually, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> mine is at home and you're working. <laughs> okay, back to our time. Okay, so so we brought up the idea of like schedules, boundaries, yeah. um, oh, the just along theme with of them, right? Along with that. We can't get in contact with them when they are yeah. at work, right? So you'd think like, yeah, well, if they're at work, they pick up their phone and then I would know, no, we can't. It's like, I have to just be okay with the fact that I'm not going to hear from them maybe mm-hmm. for hours, right? Or who knows? And <laughs> that doesn't help. You don't get the reassurance. <laughs> it doesn't help. And it makes it feel even worse yeah. when you're already like, what are they up to? what's going on? And, you know, it it doesn't build the trust. Yeah. And, and they're probably on a call or whatever. Right. And we know that um, you kind of said this, like, they're not very good communicators, right? And being more distant and shut down in general in life doesn't help build trust. You build Mm -hmm. trust by like opening up to people, sharing, like engaging. That's how you build trust over and over again. You're honest, you're transparent, but if that's not part of your nature and actually your job kind of like encourages the opposite, not on purpose, that's just what it does. You know, that's not helpful in building Mm -hmm. trust and keeping it. And actually, if you're already questioning, like, where are we? Like, we never talk anymore. All those things are just going to like kind of pile on and add up to like mm-hmm. feeling more and more distant from one another. Can we talk about like self-fulfilling prophecy, like yeah. on the spouses in like, so I can imagine in a situation like that, if say something happened in the past, right. And now you're trying to like rebuild your relationship, rebuild trust. If a, the self-fulfilling prophecy around this is like, if the spouse is constantly questioning and not allowing for there to be a rebuilding or having clear expectations about what rebuilds and let's lay it out and like let's meet that but it's just a constant question of it there can be this self-fulfilling prophecy where maybe someone was motivated to build that back up Mm -hmm. but if they are trying in different ways and then just can never get you to believe that they're trying there may be a time when they start to feel like what's the point Mm -hmm. I'm they're going to question me anyways might as well you know maybe do the opposite or not try at all it kind of like potentially breeds the opposite happening Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah well maybe we could explain the self-fulfilling prophecy okay so it's a it's a psych uh what do we want to call it? Theory. Yeah, it's a theory. A phenomenon. Theory. <laughs> right. Social psychologists study this all the time. It's human behavior, right? So when there, it's just as it sounds. So when there's a prediction of what's going to happen, 
we end up acting that way so that we can fulfill that prediction. And so like with what Rochelle just talked about, I predict my husband is going to, I don't know, uh, cheat on me, let's say. Right. And not that you're making it happen, but or there are abandoned things abandon me in any abandon way. me. Good. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's going to abandon me. So I start doing things or acting a certain way with him that motivate him in some way to do that. And then I'm like, see, there we go. It yeah. happened. That's what happened. So we kind of, and then make your view, the situation. your view of the world is then confirmed and reassured. Right. And we do that all the time without even knowing it, that we're fulfilling this prophecy that we've just set up for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And and highly researched, highly researched uh, um, theory. We see it in kids and other ways, like behaviors. Not just relationships. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just want to speak to that. And then to switch gears, we've talked a lot about the spouse trusting the first responder, but there are things that also get in the way if, if things are flipped around that get in the way of the first responder trusting their spouse. And mm-hmm. maybe something happened, maybe it didn't, but let's just talk about trust in general and first responders. And you come from a law enforcement marriage. How do you see law enforcement having trouble trusting people? Well, I, I think that it's the very same thing we just talked about where their schedules are so scattered that how do they know what we're up to? Yeah. Especially if we're at home, right? If, if we're, um, or our kids are at school or, you yeah. know, your schedules are so different and they're being called in left and right. Mm-hmm. How do they know what's going on with you? The other thing, right? So that, that schedule portion of things, but the other thing is also paranoia. And the things that they see, right? So I'm even thinking about like, depending on where they work, depending on what they see, it also affects them because the things that they're going into are often not pretty scenes mm-hmm. and they are relationship scenes that they end mm-hmm. up going to. Like so you just violence, domestic you violence, or you have a situation where like, clearly something's going on between right. one person and another. And right. like now I just walked into it right? and I'm the mediator here, mm-hmm. but how do we know that that's not happening in our own family? Right. So mm-hmm. even the calls that they're getting could be triggering in terms of like what's happening at home right now. So those are the, the couple of thoughts that come to and, mind. And trust in general. So yeah, law enforcement, especially, and I'm sure fire as well, they see people taken advantage of yes, every day. All the time. All like the time. I remember that from working at the juvenile hall, just because I reading through reports, right? It's just every report is about somebody being victimized, mm-hmm. somebody being taken advantage of in some way, whether it be, you know, people trusting their neighbors, like for instance, I was working with children who, who were sexually abused. So like people who were trusting their neighbors and then the teenage neighbor happened to do something to their mm-hmm. young child. And it's like, that right there is mind blowing on trust, right? Like, yes. and, and, or whether it's, yeah, like a domestic violence, like someone's ex who they trusted all at one time came back and did something to harm them or like, and so there's, I think when you see those things over and over and over again on a daily basis and for years and years in a career, it tells your brain to learn something. Mm -hmm. You cannot trust anyone. And so 
yeah, maybe you trust your spouse. Of course, we hope you do. But there might be a piece that um, gets in the way of just relating to one another because there is this constant, don't trust anyone. You can't trust anyone. You can't turn your back. You can't trust that things aren't going to happen because they happen every day. To well, the, the world expected. is bad, right? That's that's the perspective you have to have in order to be able to survive within law enforcement. The world is bad. Things things not may happen. Things will happen. Mm-hmm. And you have to be ready for them. And so if you're always on guard, can you imagine what that relationship starts to look like mm-hmm. with trust? That's hard. Yeah. And then I know that this is a, because <laughs> this topic came up when, we were talking about marriage and getting married is that around the first responder culture, a lot of people discuss divorces Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the ones that they have been in or they are going through, or they're watching someone go through right now. And I think that for probably all, if you've been there for a couple of years, first responders, when they're about to get married, you know, they're getting the talk from other first responders about potential divorce. And Mm -hmm. I remember like, we didn't have like a conversation about that, but I remember wanting him to kind of like have a space to put any worries or concerns that are coming up based on other conversations. Because I think that a lot of people try to prepare you like, Hey, you know, watch out or mm-hmm. yeah. Did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what he's doing? Like, I don't know if you should be getting married. You know, it's just like the talk, right. And right. that can get in their head about whether or not you can trust this person who you're going to potentially marry. And what is that going to look like? And how do you protect yourself potentially from future mm-hmm. downfalls? And yeah, that's I'm sure hard for them. And can we talk about the obvious accessibility? It's, it's an accessible job to be able to do that. Right. We talked about all these like yeah. nice, nice topics, like schedule, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's a place where they protect each other too, as oh, first right. responders, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they are not going to rat each other out if something happens and right. they're going to have each other's backs. And it happens quite a bit in departments where yeah. people are, doing things you're not supposed to be doing with each other and or outside of the department. Right. Um, But it's not going to happen that they're going to just go and tell the spouse. That's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other, it breeds it for sure. And then, you know, for the first responder, like we've talked a lot about this, like feeling like your spouse doesn't get it because there are a lot Mm -hmm. of things we don't get, or they don't feel comfortable talking about to us, or they don't want to talk about. I think over time that can be hard for them to still feel as close to their spouse and maybe they start trusting their squad mates or people who are around them Mm -hmm. at the department more. And if there happens to be people in the field, and I'm not just going to say their department, but just in the field that get it. And I don't have to describe these things to them. Like maybe there's a higher bond or trust there, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're already feeling some distance in your relationship like that you know, can be a question that comes up in their head. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing that I was kind of thinking about was trauma and how we know, and we've talked about how much trauma that they're exposed to in this culture. And when you look at brain science, we know that the way that trauma impacts the brain, especially if it's constant or consistent or has happened multiple times, 
you ha- it's like a protective factor to stop trusting people mm-hmm. because um, you've either seen people hurt, you have been hurt. There's this like, like we kind of talked about this ongoing message, but your brain actually shifts into a hypervigilant, protective, be on guard mode that unconsciously will just take over. And so it's like, sometimes it's a con- like a, a decision they're making, but when you're constantly exposed to trauma, we know that outside of law enforcement, when you're constantly exposed to trauma, you don't trust people. You have mm-hmm. problems with trust in your relationships. It could be nothing that that person did to you, but something that other people have done or you've experienced or you've witnessed or you've heard about. It's just mm-hmm. part of it. And that trauma like plays a role in this. And it's ongoing trauma in their professions without really seeing it as a traumatic um, event because it's just a part of their job. Mm-hmm. So you don't recognize it as a traumatizing event when you do it all the time. Right. So it's complex trauma. That's right. the other piece of it. Right. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's a vicarious trauma. I didn't actually experience it, but I heard about it or my mm-hmm. buddy was in it. And mm-hmm. so now I take on that trauma and then there's trauma bonding too. Mm-hmm. You bond with people who have been in the trauma with you mm-hmm. and guess who that is your squad mates, your mm-hmm. coworkers, and, and there are people in other agencies that get it in a mm-hmm. way that other people don't get it. So mm-hmm. All of that, I think, goes into it too. Like what kind of relationships are you building within that, that traumatic scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to wrap this up pretty. That's that. Well, That's wait, what yeah. I was gonna... We're still going to, we're, we're still going to wrap this. <laughs> like Rochelle, what are you doing? Save us. Save us. <laughs> How do you build trust? <laughs> I love that the wrap up is always like, do the opposite of everything we just talked about for the last 40 minutes. (laughs) There's no real opposite to this one though. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, perfect example is like last episode, we talked a lot about friendship, right? And building. And I feel like this is the opposite. It's like one addressing it. If there's like a monster in the closet, right? Going like, Hey, trust is an issue here. And we need to think about how to build it and set some goals for ourselves and we can't get there, then we need help doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like finding ways to confide in each other because when, like we said, open, transparent, when you can think about how we trust our best friends, you know, friends who are like surface level with us, like we don't have incredible trust and we might like them and be like, yeah, it's fun to be around them, but we're not going to go to them when something's, you know, coming up. And so, but those friends that like go to that deeper level, talk about deeper things, you can, you feel like you can trust them and go to them and they're going to tell you if something, you know, came up. And so it's the same thing in a relationship. You got to find ways to confide in each Mm -hmm. other, even if it's like, I don't want to share these details okay, then talk about it in a different way. Or let's talk about stressors that you're experiencing, but you got to be transparent and authentic, not just like, yeah, I was fine. The day was fine. You know, right. it's like really engaging. That's how, and then how about defensiveness, not being so defensive about the things that are being asked of us. Like if we're being transparent, then there's no reason for me to mm-hmm. have to hide things from you. Absolutely. And I don't have to see it as like, oh, now I have to show you everything, but more like there's nothing here. If there's nothing here, here you go. Right. Um, But I think in some ways uh, defensiveness plays into it. So try to find a way to reel in the defensiveness uh, on, on your end. And then hopefully on, on the other end too. 
And sometimes defensiveness can be a reaction. So if you find that to be you, and even though you want to not be defensive, you are immediately, okay, you can always come back. You come back and go, look, yesterday I was being really defensive. Or mm-hmm. if, you, if it's too hard for you to say that, which it is for some people, then write it down text it. I don't know. Get the communication across somehow that it's like, I'm sorry, let's have that conversation again. Or here's what I heard you saying. Another Mm -hmm. thing is really hearing your partner. If they're saying, I have a hard time trusting you, let's figure out, well, what can I do to help reassure you? Because this, this, Mm -hmm. and this are not happening. How do I reassure you in that? And then listen to them and see if you can follow through on some of those things. um, If they're realistic versus going, well, you have nothing to you know, be worried about, I'm not going to change anything. Right. That's not really Mm -hmm. someone who you're going to trust more in a relationship. Right. On the other end of it, I was thinking like last week we were talking about intimacy and if that's missing because all of this is in place and going on and there's like this big wall between the two of you, like, I don't think it's good for a marriage relationship to just like ignore that factor. Right. And just be Mm -hmm. like, well, that's not the priority right now. It's like there are many ways to be intimate, not just physically, but like connection, dates, going and doing something fun that you enjoy together. But if none of that is happening because you're just focused on these other things, I don't think that's going to be helpful. Just constantly talking about it's important to talk about the problems, but at the same time, you have to be doing fun stuff together as well. And as a that's, balance. yeah, and that's really going to mm-hmm. push someone, someone away in the opposite direction that you want them to go. If you're not acknowledging that, like mm-hmm. we need fun and intimacy and touch and, and like each other, you can't right. just all be about like the problems we're having. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there you have it. Ooh, it's a hard I think we just, we just got to the the surface of this. There's so much more. <laughs> Deeper. Well, people Deeper. can write, write it yeah. to us and tell Let us, us what know. they want us to talk about. That's right. Let us know and we'll go there. All right. We'll wrap this up then. All right. See you next time. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Code 3 Families. We hope you enjoyed the show. Our goal is always to provide you with accurate information based on what we know from our lives and our professional experience, but please remember this is not a replacement for therapy. If you need a therapist, please go find one. If you happen to be a resident of California and you're looking for a therapist, you can reach out to me, Rochelle Zumlock, at firstrespondersfamilypsychology.com. Thanks. Stay safe. Stay safe.